Welcome to Language Chats. This is a podcast where we share our enjoyment and experiences of language learning with you. I'm Beck. Hi, I'm Penny. We both live in Australia. We love learning languages and we love chatting to each other about it. That's right. We're not teachers. We're not experts. We're just learners like you talking to each other about our thoughts and experiences, both good and bad, of learning other languages. Yep. So, I have been dwelling on the Ooh, idea, dwelling. Dwelling on the idea of going back to uni, would you believe? Ooh. And doing a Chinese language course through uni, like a diploma of Chinese. That Which is very exciting. It is exciting, but it's also like struck me as a bit of what am I thinking? You know, it's, I've been so long since I've been to uni. Haven't I been done and dusted with all that? I don't know, academic yeah. exams and so. And how long? How long has it been since you last did a, a a formal course? Well, I have done some recently because I started learning Chinese. Um, in when was it 2013 when I first went to China and Mm. that was a course through Nanjing University in China so that's as formal and as structured as it comes (laughs) if you've ever learnt in a Chinese (laughs) university you will understand Um, and then when I came back to Melbourne I did some classes at the Confucius Institute at the University of Melbourne so again it was you know it's not you know, like a full-on uni course, but it's a weekly two-hour commitment and you're expected to do homework and turn up at the right time. Um, So that I finished up um, when I was pregnant with Eliza. So, yeah, over two years ago now. Yeah, wow. And it is is quite a different, you know, it's a bit of a different world, not when you're learning independently as opposed to to having a class that you need to turn up to, you know, once a week and you've got homework to do and potentially assessments to do depending on depending on where you're studying and what you're doing. Yeah, it, it's, it is very different. And, I mean, I've been toying with the idea, thinking about the pros and cons. Um, but have you? when was the last time you did a, a formal kind of um, structured course like that? The last time that I did some classes was for German, actually, and that was back in 2000 and 2014, 2015. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I guess it's been a few years for me too. And that was like a, you know, after work, once a week um, style situation yeah. um, where we just had, you know, it was just an hour and a half. So it was pretty, all things considered, fairly low commitment. Um, and no assessments or anything either. So very much like, although we had the commitment of being there once a week and, you know, feeling bad if we didn't do our homework, <laughs> there wasn't really, um, you know, there wasn't an assessment at the end or yeah. an exam that you I was sort of pushed to study for. Exactly. Like I wasn't going to fail going to my German classes. Um, but it certainly was the last, like most structured um I suppose, yeah, course that I've attended. It's um, funny, isn't it? Because I'm thinking, you know, it's there's so many. Um, <laughs> I'd be so interested to know what everyone else thinks about it. But in my mind, yeah. there are actually quite a lot of drawbacks to studying formally, if that's what we want to call it, like formally as in a course in a classroom with other people. And yeah. 
I never used to think that there were drawbacks. I, I kind of, I think when I first started learning languages was that that is how you learned a language. <laughs> you yeah. went to a class, you did a formal course, you sat with 10 other people and who were all doing the same thing as you. Yeah, um, well, I, I have to I have to agree with you because I think that it's, it's certainly only been in more recent times that I've also been learning independently as well. Um, and certainly up until a point, like my idea of what learning a language was, was basically like I would have to sign up to something and, and attend something and there had to be a teacher. Mm. Um, and if I wasn't doing it that way, then I wasn't doing it right. I mean, not that, you know, do you do understand what I mean? It's sort yeah, of totally. a, um, I don't know whether it was just that having that kind of formality meant that I had committed. Um, yep. Whereas now I kind of having now learnt by myself for a while and having quite self-directed study learning, I realised that it never really needed to be that way. And actually some of my probably more successful experiences learning maybe have been actually by myself. Yep. And in much more creative ways too, like, um, but yeah, I'm not sure if that is, that is something that's specific to, I I think Australians in general, but maybe this is probably true for for lots of other places too. Um, I think do have that kind of mentality of like, I have to attend a class. And I think definitely technology has changed that thought Mm. and for, for all of us, for language learners, um, around the world. Um, and I think also as we move through different stages of life as well, of course. Um, you know, when you're high school, uni, college age, formal learning is, is kind of what you know and what you, what you go with. But then as you, you know, get out into the big wild world, <laughs> you discover that there's a lot, a lot of other ways to learn. Um, of course. And it's also there. about being more flexible too. Like I think just as you said, like at different stages in your life, you have more or less time but you also have more or less time at different different parts of the week Mm. I think even at a really like simple level you know when when I when I think back to when I was doing some German classes like they were always in the evenings and that sort of worked for for me and um you know it was after work it was relatively easy to get to um I could commit to to turning up once a week because I could make sure that I'm always free on a particular night but but not everybody has the ability to do that I can imagine certainly like once you start once you have kids or you know you've got other commitments in your life that mean that maybe you can't do evenings anymore maybe you can't do Saturday mornings anymore maybe fitting anything into your days is quite difficult and um introducing flexibility um is is important because so you can't always attend a course. Yeah, so, so, so true. And yeah. I think that's where I've settled on in the last few years, um, or at least especially in the last 18 months, was that um, I didn't have that kind of um, routine anymore where I could do after work classes and it was easy when it used to be. Um, so I think that's why... I've settled on this kind of way of learning, which is independent, but with assistance. Yes. So I'm not sure really what to term that. But I think that's why I love now um, having tutors and having 
say, italki classes online. Um, yeah, so by assistance you mean kind of like having, say, Skype lessons or italki classes yeah, or something like, like that. Like a yeah. drop-in teacher, kind yeah. of when, when I want it, <laughs> yep. when I schedule it and usually I attend these classes with, with a whole bunch of things that I want to achieve and I want to learn. And yeah. I think that's very different too to going to a group, to a structured, to a formal kind of learning you know to a class Mm. because the material is given to you like you're told okay we're going to do this dialogue this tonight and then learn these vocab but then um when like you said when you're self-directed and you are calling in the assistance in the form of a tutor or a teacher when you need it yeah i love that you can design what the vocab what the grammar um what the phrases are that you want to practice. Um, That's true. It's much more proactive, isn't it? Like I think, and this is not to, like let's preface this by saying, I, I've actually really enjoyed classes that I've done in the past, yep. but um, I do I do think that sometimes classes have at times made me a bit lazy because I sort of like, I'm, you're, yeah, you're waiting for someone to give you information and to tell you yep. what to do and to tell you what to do for homework and what to bring in next week. Um, but there is something quite liberating about being very proactive in what you um, are letting yourself use for study or for learning Um, and always being able to make it something that you actually want to learn or that you enjoy doing for learning too. Yep. So, I mean, a lot of the classes that I've, I've had recently have revolved around food because... Oh, yeah. You know, I've loved this, especially in Vietnamese, before we did our trip to Vietnam late in 2018. Um, I just wanted to get a handle on so many of the different um, dishes and methods of cooking, um, the regional specialities, just because, you know, it was such an interest to me, but also that I knew all that vocab that I was learning was actually going to be useful in a real, real life That's context. That's true. Yeah. Um, At like a basic level, it's just practical. Yep, exactly. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, so <laughs> I think I'm not entirely sure w- what I'm thinking now with this Chinese course, but <laughs> there is also something to say to having the discipline of turning up. Absolutely. At a set time, at a set day every week um, with your tasks completed, knowing that you're going to get more tasks to do the following week, um, yes. working towards an end end point, which might be an assessment or an exam, yeah. and potentially graduating with, with something. Um, so there's something to say for that, and I, and I feel potentially that that discipline could be really, really useful. Yeah. Um, See, I don't know. It's just a hard one, Beck. <laughs> no, I know it is a really hard one, but I totally, I totally understand what you're saying. And I think, especially when it comes to like potentially having a qualification of some description at the end too, like having a having a certificate or having a diploma, sometimes you can feel if you're learning by yourself. Like, and I and I had some similar thoughts about Italian not that long ago because I thought oh, I've been learning for a while and you know I'm enjoying it but maybe I, maybe I need a push. Like maybe I need to go and do a, you know, maybe I should go and do a test of some sort or some, some kind of assessment just to, just to prove to myself that I can do it. 
mm-hmm. um, and to actually have a, a defined level that maybe I could, you know, who knows if I wanted to put it on a, a CV one day or, um, you know, to be able to just describe to people at a, at a recognised, um, in a recognised way, oh, I passed such and such yeah. uh, certificate. Um, but it's certainly something that goes through your mind because otherwise when you are learning independently, um, it can be, although you might have your own confidence in what you've learnt, sometimes it's hard to see exactly what you've got to show for it. Yeah. yeah <laughs> which yeah. I know I know sounds, which is, is not true. Like, I mean, of course you, you've, you've learnt things and, and if you tried to have a conversation with someone, I'm, you know, you could probably say the things that you want to say, but it's, if there's no... There's no formal way of, of showing that to someone, especially if it is in kind of a maybe a work context of some sort. If you're moving to another country and you need to be able to to really make it clear to somebody that you have studied this and you have learnt something um, and it's not just listening to you talk that, that gives you that um, that assurance, then, yeah, that's I guess that's sometimes when an assessment can kind of come into play. And I think um, that's when proficiency exams do have a point as well and I have talked about this a lot with you and with other people too you know how something like the which is the HSK Chinese proficiency exam um, so many you know drawbacks with that exam and and the way that um, it tests people's um, proficiency but at the other hand at least it gives you a way of saying you know, I've passed HSK4 so yep. that someone would get a sense, okay, so you're kind of at this level, yeah. um, you probably know this many words and blah, blah, blah. Um, so, I mean, that that's a, that's a handy thing to have and if you are prepared to do the work and do the exam, then it is good and you don't have to go to class or be in a formal enrolled environment to do those type of exams. Would that be the same in Italian and, and – French and German, do you think? Would you, to be honest, you I'm actually, these? yeah, I'm, I'm actually not t- not entirely sure. Mm. I know that I know that each of the um, sort of cultural institutes in Australia does have uh, you have the ability to, I think, take an exam to maybe show proficiency at say um, sort of the European standard levels, so like A1, yeah. A2, yeah. B1, B2, C1, C2. Um, so I, I think that they do offer those, um, but. I don't know. I sort of. I, I feel like I hear people talk about the HSK exams for Chinese a lot. Um, maybe in a way that people don't talk about those kinds of qualifications for other languages. Is that true? Yeah. Maybe. I mean, okay. maybe because it's you know for things like university admission um, for positions in China, a lot of um, job ads and things might specify the HSK level that would be required. Yeah. Um, and also, if you're going to do university in Chinese, then you'd need to have a certain level as well. Um, yeah. It could be that, or it could be because the system over there, you know, does rely a lot on exams mm. and results. Yeah, true. Um, now, I've got I've got another question for you, Penny, mm. seeing as you're thinking of maybe doing a, maybe doing a course again. Um, do you think you'd like the social aspect of studying with some other people yeah. again? Yeah. That's a really good point. And I think, yes, the answer is I am a social person. I do enjoy being with other people, meeting other people. And I think there's something so lovely about sharing your language learning with other people, especially when you're at the same stage and you... Um, yeah, definitely. You can, you can laugh and you could cry over things that 
bug you um, and help each other as well. Um, I did love that about my classes at the Confucius Institute. One thing, though, that I have found, and this could be me, it could be other people, (laughs) um, the inner group, inner class setting, though, there is a tendency to sit back and maybe wait for other people to answer or put their hand up or to be the one that's proactive with giving the answer or doing the volunteer for the role play. Yes. Whereas, yeah, and I think if I was to return to that kind of group class setting, I think I'd have to make sure that I didn't be the one that was going to sit back and wait for other people <laughs> to um, to answer because I think you miss you miss so much opportunity by doing that. And I think that's why one-on-one teaching is so handy Mm. because there's nowhere to hide that's true it's just you and the teacher and you either have to know the question know the answer or um work it out pretty quick (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think it's yeah it's it's a really interesting it's a really interesting idea that kind of like hanging back because I think it's it's something that we've all done at some point where you you sort of feel a bit maybe you've just had a little dip in your confidence or um you know, maybe you made a mistake last lesson or you're tired or yeah, whatever it might be, you just had a bad day maybe. And so you just don't feel like contributing. Um, But sometimes that can get into a really negative cycle. It's like the less you contribute, the less interested you become. And then, and then it kind of just gets worse from there. And then suddenly you're not studying anymore because you've, you know, just, I don't know, become so demotivated by it all. Um, Whereas like, yeah, there's definitely a positive cycle, I think, of you know, continuing to contribute and then learning more and then feeling like you've gotten more out of it and, you know, everything kind of, and then realizing that you learned, you know, this new word and now you can use it in context because someone asked you a question and, and you remembered yeah. it. And, you know, that's those sorts of like really little exciting wins, um, yeah. even though they are just sometimes really, really tiny, but they feed your overall motivation, I think, over and over and over again. I think that's so important because a little tiny dip in motivation can really set you off kilter. Yeah. And if for you're in days, the right, if, weeks. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And if you're in the right group of people too, like sometimes classes can be awesome because if you've got a great group of people who are all like motivated, really motivated yeah. and kind of quite supportive of each other, it can be just the most amazing experience. And then other times maybe maybe sometimes it can be less like that and and yeah. sometimes there are a few a few more people hanging back and um, and that can sometimes really affect, I think, everyone's everyone's motivation um, for and all And the of it. teaching style as well. I mean, how does the teacher True. manage to conduct a kind of inclusive class? Do they, you know, pick on people? I've had teachers who've done that in the past and, you know, that can be good, but not everyone enjoys being picked on. Um, yeah, that's true. Or, uh, you know, do they take a bit of a sit-back approach and, you know, the pe- person with the loudest voice kind of dominates? Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I recently, mm. yeah I recently was talking to, to a friend about this in the context of um, personal training oh. <laughs> or like going to the gym and it being kind of a similar experience. So we're like, you know, sometimes um, – so my friend was going to some classes uh, at a gym where the instructor was quite well known for being um, very 
I suppose, quite pushy with everybody, but really, really pushing them to work harder. And so lots of people loved this instructor because they were like, oh, it's fantastic. Like every time, like it's really harsh, but um, every time I go, I feel like I get more out of it and that's great. On the other hand, there were also people who were like, I would never go to that person's class ever because, you know, they just make me feel like I'm not good enough and that I can't I can't do any of this stuff and I always come out feeling really demotivated. So it's interesting to see how different people's reactions to that yep. kind of like a different teaching style or a different style of, I suppose, support um, can can really change the way that they feel about um, about the the entire situation. So true. And you almost don't know how you're going to feel, how you're going to react until you've no. put yourself in the situation to give it a try. Yeah, exactly. You and just got to give it a go. I think that's something that um, that I might end up doing is kind of giving giving this course a go and seeing seeing what it's like and yeah. seeing how I respond to being back in a kind of group formal classroom setting and see yeah. if it sits well with me um, and whether I can feel like I'm going to get something from it because I think that's the ultimate end goal is what will I get from this course and and how will it improve my Chinese and my overall kind of competency well I'm excited to to hear how this goes for you Pam oh thanks Beck yeah yeah I will definitely keep you all posted I'd love to know from everyone too like what I guess what are your thoughts on how you've studied your languages yeah, um, whether that's independently or formally through through a class in a group. Yeah, um, and how and how have the two I think affected each other as well? You know how how has maybe your experiences of formal learning it changed how you maybe learn independently now or vice versa? Um, you know, has has that changed over time? Have you become a better student in a formal situation because maybe you tried to learn independently for a while and you realised the things that did motivate you and um, things like being a bit more proactive and then taking that back into a formal into a formal classroom uh, yep. type context. Yep, There's, that's so true. There's something very important, I think, especially I was thinking back to my very early days learning Vietnamese when I was drilled in a classroom um, on pronunciation, on tones, and I think having that kind of drill sergeant approach for that kind of thing is at the time it felt like such a waste of time and so monotonous um but look but now you'll never forget it yeah it's the foundation isn't it it's the basis of the language and perhaps if I hadn't have had that experience then you know who knows what what might have happened so as with everything pros and cons and (laughs) pros and cons indeed we could talk about this for ages. We could. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thanks for joining us on another Language Chats episode. Language Chats is part of a larger project which Beck and I started called Language Lovers AU, where we are building a community of people who are interested in languages in Australia. Check out our website if you haven't already um, and subscri- subscribe to our mailing list at languagelovers.com.au. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook under Language Lovers AU. Um, and also, please leave us a review. It helps other language lovers to find us. Um, but we'll see you next time. Thank you. See you next time. <laughs>